Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block. This show is being recorded live and will be available within a few hours as a podcast. We invite anyone listening to us as a podcast to join us live and share your thoughts and comments on the issues that we discuss. Please also share your feedback with us at our email address, which is ejsshow at protonmail.com. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, guys. Hi, everybody. We should tell everybody that uh, Jody is missing in action again today. She's She's got a little family emergency going on. And, you know, th- for those of you who, who pray or send good wishes, I hope you can keep Jody in your thoughts. If you want to send her a, a message to the email account, ejsshow at protonmail.com. I'm sure she'd be happy to, to hear, hear that you're thinking of her. Um, but hopefully she'll make it before the end of the show. If not, hopefully she'll be back next week. We miss you, Jody. I'll second that, but aren't we not supposed to say thoughts and prayers? I'm, I'm a rule breaker, so I'm okay with that. Okay, you're probably one of those insurrectionist types. <laughs> so... I want to start off the show backwards. I want to start off with positive stuff that's going on in the world. And when I collected all my stuff for the show, four out of five stories had the same name in it. Anybody want to guess whose name? That'd be Ron DeSantis, which is really fascinating to me. So I got one article, uh, Ron DeSantis shows Republicans how to win by fighting for Americanism. So he signed into law three bills a week ago and about learning civics in, uh, I think, K through 12 and in colleges, and then one other thing. Then apparently he signed some bill about pushing towards more vocational education and not wasting money, everybody in the world going to college. And then even better, he apparently signed a bill into law saying you can record lectures in college. Now, some of us may ask, like I'm asking, why was that ever illegal? But in any case, you know, like we spoke about last week and many other times before, letting parents see what's being taught in school at any level is a good thing to do. And then there's a bill in the Florida legislature that passed the Florida legislature. And this is another one that I wonder why we needed to pass a role. It reaffirms parents' roles as the sole decision makers on behalf of their children in both health care and education. Wow. Comments. Well, those are all those are all good bills, and I think I think the uh, the elephant in the room is you have to juxtapose it with the fact that Trump came back and you know made his reappearance on the national stage over the weekend. I think that Trump and and DeSantis are sort of in a little friendly contest right now for who's going to be the front runner for the GOP nomination in 2024 and even before that, who's going to be the voice of the GOP just for this, you know, midterm election cycle that's coming up? Uh, they're, they're sort of competing with each other. It's interesting you're seeing it that way. I think it was you who mentioned a while back that DeSantis just keeps doing what he's doing because it's the right thing to do. Was that something you said? It is something I said, and I'm sure that's what he's doing right now. Um, I think it's I think it's somewhat coincidental that uh, that this little friendly competition is sprouting up, but nonetheless, I think it's there, and I I, I wouldn't be surprised if 
part of the impetus of Trump deciding this was the time to start, you know, to start his speaking tour was seeing that DeSantis is really going, you know, getting ahead. And, you know, Trump has a lot of built in advantages. He's got, a, you know, a lot of support. But, you know, if DeSantis gets too far out ahead, Trump may not be able to overcome that. Yeah, I think it's way early anyway. And I also think it's like walmart.com and Amazon. At the moment, it's only good. Two years from now, it could possibly be destructive. I'm not sure. And that takes me to the slightly negative story. Apparently, he had a rally scheduled in Alabama and they canceled it because it was partisan. You guys hear about that? No, Uh, no, I didn't hear about that. Well, luckily, I did go back to the Constitution and in the Bill of Rights, it did say peaceful assembly that's not partisan. Because for a moment there, I was thinking yesterday when I looked on the barn wall, I didn't see those words. And today, magically, they were there, but they must have been there the whole time. Yeah, that's who pretty well. Who was wild. supposed to speak in Alabama and who, who can't and how did it get canceled? Um, I don't remember who canceled it, but if somebody wants to do quick Googling, it was canceled, I think maybe by the governor. I'm not sure, but it was canceled because it was partisan, which is pretty wacky. Who was who was the one who was going to speak? Trump. It's something on July 4th. It was a July 4th rally. So hmm. don't remember the details. And one other good story, um, especially because we, I think we talk about this kind of thing a lot, a lot of times, the Texas Attorney General is suing the uh, Biden-Harris administration for releasing people with COVID into Texas. So I guess when we say fight back on the legal front, at least they're doing that. I mean, it seems like they're doing a lot more as well trying to protect their own borders by building a wall, sending troops, getting troops from other states, all of which is kind of interesting. But those are my positive stories for the day, or most of my well, you know, You know, day. speaking though, going back to the prior story about, you know, July 4th speech, I've recently escaped Soviet America and I'm now down in North Carolina, but I still get messages and emails from my old stomping grounds in New Jersey. And I know that there are places, my old town and some of the surrounding towns have canceled, or at least they, they call it postponing July 4th celebrations and fireworks. And they're going to do them in possibly September or October. And uh, I think that's, I think that's worth noting. I mean, there's no good reason for, for not having a fireworks show in, in, on July 4th this year. Um, there wasn't one last year, but there's certainly not one this year. And um, it's just another attack on, uh, on America. You know, my, so my old story, town had a, we had a pride parade or they had a pride parade in June. They had a Juneteenth celebration, um, but they can't seem to have a, a July 4th Independence Day celebration. Yeah, this story is pretty easy to Google. Park commissioners in Alabama reportedly scuttled a speaking appearance for former President Donald Trump over concerns the rally would devolve into a partisan political event. I, I really, I don't even know what country we're talking about. I didn't know there was such a thing as you can't talk at a partisan political event. It might be that the town is putting on like fireworks and Trump was wanted to speak at it. So you're kind of mixing government funding with mm. partisan political activity. I mean, that that's probably what they mean. Not what I'm seeing in the stories. Maybe you can dig up such information. It's not what I'm getting is pretty much what I'm saying. And to me, it makes absolutely no sense. And they're adding something Tunnel, who is the Park Commission chairman, added that a 2012 presidential campaign rally for former Pennsylvania, former Pennsylvania Republican Rick Santorum 
was the straw that broke the camel's back. That's when the commission went to the no partisan politics open to the public. What am I missing? Other than that, it's in a public park. I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I, I think that Ed had a good guess, but I don't know what the, I don't know the facts of that story. That sounds crazy. You know, I'm going to, after the show, I'm going to go back to the barn wall and see if they added peaceful assembly without partisan politics in public parks. And it may have been there the whole time. What do I know? So um, the only thing I want to say about the Cosby issue, um, I think most people probably know he's already out of jail and he was let go on certain kind of technicalities. But I guess that even though I believe he's guilty because they're not even saying he's not guilty, but assuming that he's legally innocent, where does he go to get back his last few years? Well, he can't, but he can sue the government for false imprisonment, I guess. Right. And when you're 83 years old, that really helps. I don't know what to say. If you're asking me, is the justice system just? I think we all know the answer. Okay. And I guess, you know, if you have a shot on an appeal then, and an appeal takes years, there's something fundamentally unfair about that. But, Ed, do you have any comments? I'm not going to defend Bill Cosby, given what came out in the trial. I know that the the, the reason for his, his release was some deal or some, the, the prosecution broke some promise to him, uh, but I don't think there's any dispute that he did the things that he did. So um, if our constitutional liberties are being upheld, great. He's still a bad man. I'm not too, I'm not too interested in his. Right, I'm not his, defending him. I just wonder when people do get convicted wrongly and they get let out on appeal and the appeal sometimes takes 10, 20 years. What good does that do anybody? I mean, when I was 18, I went to said this, but now I'm over 40. So well, anyway. let me say this then, Steve. I mean, the, the implicit premise of your statement is that a, a, a justice system has to be perfect and that any any mistake that's made is, uh, is I mean, I, I'll just say any mistake that's made is, is unfortunate. It's not something that I celebrate, uh, but it's not a reason to... to object to a justice system or to attack the justice system. I mean, if, well, if it was, you I'm going to, I'm going to take the bait. Go ahead. There is absolutely no reason why appeals take years. Interestingly enough in Israel with all of its screwed up justice system, you can get decisions like this in two days. Why does it take two years? That's legitimate. Nobody gives a damn. That's why. Nobody gives a damn about what? About anything. These cases sit on judges' desks. They pass between clerks and clerks and clerks forever and ever. And when somebody finally gets around to looking at it, they look at it. Well, I mean, I think that's a legitimate objection. Um, I, I'm, you know, I'm familiar with you know the the people who were charged with the conspiracy to murder Abraham Lincoln, and all those trials and hangings were done by summer of 1865. So there was a time in our history where things did move a little faster. Um, well, if we could move back to that, that would be great. I, I wouldn't object to I mean, that. As a, as a non-lawyer, non I mean, I'm sympathetic to what Steve is saying because you're supposed to have a, a speedy trial, but the trial's over, now you're in appeals phase. How is that any different from, you know, still being entitled to a speedy, you know, trial or decision? 
That's actually a fascinating. I'll agree that those are legitimate concerns. That's a legitimate issue, I think. I would bet that higher courts have discussed that. Is the speedy trial include appeals, or is it totally not included in it whatsoever? Somebody must have argued that before. I'm not a criminal lawyer, so I don't know. I mean, what about all these people from January 6th that have been holed up and okay. nothing on that? First of all, they're not people. They're subhumans. They're insurrectionists, and they deserve whatever they get. Uh, actually, there's one person that I was friends with on Facebook who had been leading rallies here in New Jersey against the lockdowns, against Murphy. And I know she was there on January 6th. I don't know if she went inside. Her Facebook disappeared. I'm starting to wonder if she's one of the persons they rounded up. And <laughs> You know, I'm curious. I just had a crazy idea. I wonder if the Democrats would back waterboarding for the January 6th people. <laughs> They'd probably say it's not severe enough. <laughs> That's probably what they would say. Okay. Um, the Tucker story. Who wants to introduce the Tucker story and make comments? Tucker made a report this week that he's got ironclad proof that the NSA is spying on his personal texts and personal emails. He says he has a whistleblower that revealed information to him that would not, that the only other person who would know about it would be the person on the receiving end of his texts and emails. And he's apparently confront, tried to confront the NSA. And while they've taken, they, they tried to ignore his calls. Uh, they eventually did take his calls. They haven't denied it. They've issued press releases that have derided Tucker, but have not denied the underlying claim. So it seems like the underlying claim at least has some merit. And uh, it's a pretty scary thing that the NSA is doing it. We have no real reason not to, you know, to be surprised by it. I mean, Snowden has been telling us that and, and Julian Assange has been telling us that um, for a long time, for, for at least for you know a decade now. So, but it's a serious thing. Now, you know, I believe you follow Tucker a lot more than I do, but in your estimation, he's not tinfoil hat and he's not likely to jump a shark. I don't think so. Um, that's based on what I've seen. Because this is pretty out there and either he's risking everything by saying it or he's reliable as is his history. And then, yeah, this is really crazy stuff. Agreed. And, you know, we don't have the, we don't have the proof at this point other than his representation that the, per the whistleblower told him information that would not be knowable by anyone other than the recipient of his messages. So actually there's a prosecutor from Connecticut who hasn't been doing much lately. Maybe he should investigate. His name's Durham. Who? Durham. Durham. Somewhere in the history books, he was investigating something several decades ago and disappeared. But, and by the way, would we ever get real information to prove one way or the other what Tucker's alleging? Like you say, after the whole Snowden thing, but we shove it all under the rug or something. Yeah, nobody talks about Snowden anymore. It's weird. It's anybody have any comments on the McAfee case? You mean the McAfee didn't tell himself case? I mean, do you know the background of why he was in jail? Should he have been in jail? 
Um, yeah, who knows about the should he have been in jail, but they, they claim that he hid money that he didn't pay taxes on in crypto. But because crypto is difficult to, uh, you know, it's difficult to figure out who owns what. I mean, it's not impossible, but it's difficult. Then I haven't seen any evidence that he, he was guilty. But on the other hand, he might be guilty. I don't know. He's a little bit nuts. So I, I don't know. But uh, well, he also put out information saying if they if I wind up dead, just know that I'm happy. I'm I don't want to kill myself. I don't want to, you know, I want to live and somebody is will have killed me. And, and he tattooed it on his body, I think. Yeah, I mean, he um, yes, he did. He, he tattooed it on his body. I, you know, who knows? Right. I mean, I, I obviously he was killed just like Epstein was killed. But, you know, are we why, sure, are we sure he didn't catch a virus. Yeah. Wh why he why he was killed. We don't know. I mean, you know, nobody's asked even the most obvious questions or at least i haven't seen it like were there video cameras on because the epstein ones were magically not working that night and the people were magically not paying attention that night and you know it was so we we don't know any of that from spain um so you know to me there's some the parallels to the tucker story is i really really don't want to believe this stuff well saying he was killed doesn't mean he was killed by the government by the u.s government Somebody. I don't want to believe that political adversaries of the American government are being hunted down and mistreated. And it, it seems to be more and more of that in your face every day. And I really, correctly or not, strongly resist believing it. Yeah. I think that it's a mistake to resist believing it. I think it's, it's happening everywhere. And if you, if you try and, if you don't accept that that's happening, you're not going to be able to protect yourself and you're not going to be able to see what's coming. I mean, we need to be aware that this is what's going on. Right. So as much as I'm a libertarian, you know, pulling towards anarchists slightly, I was still raised as a super patriot. And believing this stuff aligns me more with Meathead than with Archie. And I find that that's viscerally scary. It may be scary, but I mean, we've got we've got. I know Joe Meathead's Biden's voting for it. Huh? Meet, meet, meetheads voting for this is we've got Joe Biden telling us that Trump supporters and 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 white supremacists are the the main enemy of of, of his government and you know how else is that going to manifest other than that he comes after us yeah and that's just the way it is he's 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 been very clear that you know the people who disagree with him are are political enemies of his and he's coming after us so uh, I don't think we need, we need, I think we've got to be careful to not sugarcoat what's going on. I mean, we're, we're, we're teetering in some respects and if we're going to fight back, we need to be prepared to fight back. So, you know, we, we mentioned the Giuliani case this week and there's a bit more to talk about it possibly now with the Dershowitz article and you may want to address that. But then I saw the Kleinsmith Articles. So Klein Smith was the one who apparently, I believe, pled guilty to falsifies, falsifying a Pfizer record, and he's suspended for a year. And Giuliani, who didn't do anything near that, is seemingly going to get even worse. So I don't, again, the total imbalance on this is really, really scary to me. 
Well, you know, Ed shared a, uh, an article from Mark Stein earlier, and, and I don't know if you guys got to read it, but I did. He talked about, um, you know, how we have basically two systems, depending on who you are, <laughs> and we don't have equality before the law. And that's just a clear sign, obviously, that we're breaking down into totalitarianism. So that's the way I see all this. I mean, whether it's, um, you know, Assange, I, I think Trump was probably inclined to pardon Assange, but I think the entire ruling class went basically said, you do this and we're going <laughs> we're gonna to come after you or something because he did, obviously he didn't do it. I, I thought he was inclined to do it. But, you know, spying on us, obviously, it's, if it, they're doing it to Tucker, I'm sure they're doing it to a lot of other powerful people. And not just little guys like us. So, so well, I mean, go ahead, Ed. I mean, what what Snowden said is they collect everything, but they don't call it collection because collection is illegal. But they collect everything, and they store it in these giant databases, you know, in Utah or wherever. Anyway, what. The NSA calls collection is, well, we look at the database. You know, we look at it. That's collection. And we don't collect, meaning look at, non-Americans unless it's incidental. And incidental means that they're, um, they're looking at some foreigner and an American comes up. So what Tucker didn't say is, you know, who was it that these emails and or text messages that he was, you know, that were intercepted. Who, who were they with? If they were with his wife, then yeah, that's, that's a real problem. There's been a lot of reports of them uh, looking at um, all sorts of, of inappropriate things over the years. But what, what, did we what did we learn from the Trump situation, the Trump-Russia hoax? I mean, all they need is some bogus know, claim and run to the FISA court and start tapping somebody. Yes. So if so, yes, they 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 could just out and out lie, which they did on the Trump one or, you know, they could. Um, th they they could say, well, you know, uh, Tucker has, is talking to foreigners. I mean, you know, I, I think we all talk to foreigners, right? I and mean, I'm Facebook friends and Canadians, a couple of Brits, an Australian, New Zealander. I mean, we all talk to foreigners in some respect uh, nowadays. And so um, then they collect, that's the cats. Then they collect on the, the foreigners and they, they get all of Tucker's stuff. And there's lots of ways to get around it uh, from just outright lying to, um, you know. Well, turning back to, to Giuliani, which is how this all came up. What he did and what he's accused of doing is basically zealously representing his client. And if what he did warrants disbarment, there's going to be a shortage of lawyers in New York before long. Yeah. And, and I'm just thinking off the top of my head, you know, the, the New York City district attorney or the Manhattan district attorney has been saying that Trump was guilty of or being investigated for criminal activity. I mean, I guess technically he was being investigated, but... Uh, the state attorney general ran on a platform explicitly saying that Trump was 
guilty of criminal activity. And if you elected her, she was going to prosecute him. So she should be, she should be subject to disciplinary action as well. Uh, anyone who's familiar with Gloria Allred or Michael Avignati or some of these other big mouth lawyers who, you know, get up in front of a podium and start polluting the jury pool as soon as, you know, their client, you know, has some case against some city. Uh, again, those would be people who would be subject to, to disciplinary and disbarment proceedings as well. Um, whether or not it's a good, I mean, I've, I've represented clients in public cases and sometimes you have to fight your battle in the press a little bit. Um, I'm not, I don't particularly like that part of practicing law all that much, but um, to hold him, uh, to, to disbar him for that, you know, under the, under the disciplinary rules saying you can't make false statements to third parties is obscene. Uh, the only, they did say that he made some false statements in the courtroom but the, if I've read the opinion from the New York Appellate Division, uh, I think I shared it with you guys, and he uh, he was asked specifically by the court whether he was presenting a fraud claim in the Pennsylvania case, and he said yes. And then the court goes through and says, "Well, but it's not pled here, and it isn't here." And and Giuliani says, "Well, it's implied in these other sections," and and the opinion goes through how. There was this long colloquy between the court and Giuliani about whether there was a fraud claim. So even insofar as there was some technically false statement that Giuliani made, there was absolutely no fraud committed on the court. The court was completely aware of what was going on. There was no misleading. Nobody's time was wasted other than maybe the hour or so that the, that the oral argument took place. Um, again, this is obviously a punitive action. It's obviously done for political reasons against Trump supporters and Trump's lawyer. And that's what this is all about. And as Mike was saying earlier, it's about the two-tier justice system that's prevailing in this country and that the left has absolutely no qualms with, with uh, not just imposing, but perpetrating and, and, and wielding against us. You know, I spent the better part of seven years in family court. And if lawyers were disbarred for lying to judges and somewhere above 50% of divorce cases, there are false claims of domestic violence, you would not have any family lawyers left. And everybody knows that they're lying going in. So the idea that lawyers can't lie in court, you gotta be kidding me. They do it all the time. So to us, late understood, folks but but it's even worse in the Giuliani case because they're basically not basically the opinion goes through all of his alleged false statements in press conferences to third parties. Yeah, I mean, that's it's outrageous. I mean, he has a First Amendment right to to make a case for his client in, in the press. Yeah, it's it's again, it's pretty chilling. And I think that that's the purposeful message. Exactly is to tell lawyers, be very careful what you do. And that, and that is- No, no, not, not, not be very careful what you do. Be very careful who you represent. Right, right. Well, that, that's, you're just stating it a lot better than I stated it, which is incredibly, incredibly scary. You know, literally right before the show, I saw a short video and I don't know who was testifying. It seemed like congressional testimony, I'm not sure. 
And the doctor was saying about all the false COVID information that got around. And they were talking about the fact that the scientists that were working with Trump were warned by everybody in their community, if you ever want to do anything again, you need to go against him. And it's sort of that same dynamic. If you want to side with Trump in any way, legally, financially, socially, any way you want, we're going to destroy your life. And that pressure then gets translated to, well, nobody's defending him. Well, guess what? Nobody's defending him because all of their you know, law firms have been threatened. We know other law firms were threatened and pulled out of different cases that had to do with the election fraud and stuff. That pressure is unbelievable because it means there's absolutely no justice available whatsoever. Yeah. And I was thinking, since we're busy pulling down statues, um, and I'm not calling for this, God forbid, to happen, should we be pulling off the blindfold off of Lady Justice? Give them time. I'm sure that's on their agenda. And apparently they are pulling down all those Confederate statues in the Capitol. Yeah, I heard that. And apparently the Republicans aren't upset about it because they say they're all Democrats anyway. I don't know if that's said half jokingly, but again, that's pretty sad. No Republican has ever owned a slave. Really? Oh, well, yeah, I guess by definition. <laughs> yep. Okay. So um, somebody mentioned they wanted to talk about the mayoral race in New York City. I'll let you guys handle it, even though I'm unfortunately the only one still living in New York City. Well, we talked about it last week and, and I had raised the issue that it was a little bit heartening to see that the, the commie candidates didn't do as well as the less commie candidate, Eric, uh, Eric Adams from uh, the Brooklyn Borough President, who was a former captain in the, in the NYPD and uh, who is opposed to defunding the police. Uh, but it turns out that they've apparently found 135,000 vote error in their tabulations. And uh, Garcia is now very close behind Adams in the uh, re recalculated numbers. And even Wiley, who was another, who was the one who was endorsed by AOC, uh, she also is very close behind Adams. We're still waiting for updated, updated numbers and they're doing the, uh, what do you call it? The ranked voting system, which is gonna take Single some Single transferable vote, yeah. But apparently, the, the ironic thing is that apparently the the um, uh, the computer tallying was also deficient, and you know there are some claims that are being made that sound almost like what uh, Trump and his, his surrogates were saying about the Dominion voting system in in November of 2020, but. Uh, We'll see, we'll see who ultimately winds up with the Democrat nomination in, in the New York City mayoral race. It may still yet be one of the, one of the more commie candidates. Um, with all due respect, Ed, um, you mis misspoke. I am informed that it was the Republicans who were insisting on defunding the police and no Democrat ever mentioned that. So I just want to state that for the record. Well, that's the story that some of the Democrats are trying to to perpetrate today, but I don't think that's believable. The byline actually was written by somebody named Winston something or another. 
if I remember correctly. Winston Smith? Yeah, I think that was the byline. Yeah, the guy from 1984. The guy from, and the audacity of, of changing that narrative. Now, my understanding was that the 135,000 votes were taken away, leaving Adams in better shape. Is that not what happened? No, my understanding is it, it brought him much closer to in Garcia in second and Wiley in third. Okay. And I, I mean, yes, the, the irony of Democrats complaining about not being able to rely on voting toll, voting uh, tallies is just beyond. But I believe in 2016 and in other elections, weren't there Democrats complaining about other election abnormalities before? Of course. Yeah, just so about every not, election cycle. Every time they lose, it's because they got cheated. Right, but even the computer cheating, I think they've, they've said about before. I think Al Gore is out there preaching that we shouldn't complain about elections. But again, that may be the Winston Smith byline. So who knows? And I, again, I'm saying what I said before. The idea now, yes, I did grow up knowing that Nixon was ripped off in 1960, but I guess I was taught that that was the aberration and all of our other elections were clean and pure as the driven snow. And thinking that, are we better than Russia and North Korea in elections? That's again, it's a really scary thought. Well, we're better than Russia and North Korea most of the time in most places. Um, New York City is not one of those places. Right, but how reliable are, are our elections? Well, now we don't really know. <laughs> And we expect that it's enough to uh, change the outcome. You know, I, I think we always assume there was some noise in, in our elections. You know, when I was in marketing research way back when, and I did a, a project and a study, we did questionnaires and got survey data back. I always assumed that some of that data was just bad, but probably not enough to change what the findings were, right? And I think that was kind of, the way we looked at our elections until last year, at least, you know, that there was always some noise, there was always some cheating, but not enough necessarily to overturn a presidential election. Well, Bill Barr said for sure there wasn't with the presidential election. Huh. Yeah. But again, I think it's very scary. And then, you know, some people are asking, why doesn't McConnell care that he was cheated out of being Senate majority leader, but he doesn't seem to care. And then some people say it's because the Republicans gain from this as much as the Democrats, and that's why they don't want to make any noise. But is there any truth to that? I have no doubt that McConnell's a snake and McConnell is part of the cabal that's ruling us and that he's perfectly okay with, uh, with the Democrats being in charge for now. He figures in two, four or six years, he'll get in charge again. And he's just he's just waiting his turn right now. He's he, he's not on our side and he's not looking to save the country. He's looking to save himself. So I really hate to ask this question, but I find nothing impressive about McConnell. And what does it say about us that he is in such an incredibly powerful position? It's I don't know what it says about us, but it says the Republican Party is pretty corrupt to the core. Because I don't know, what, what positive could you say about Mitch McConnell? Is he charismatic? Is he a great speaker? What is he? He's married to a woman who's a former Chinese national. 
Right, but how long? That marriage isn't that long, is it? It's long enough. Is it it's 10, 20 years? I thought he got her after he was in power, but I, I could be wrong. Um, I don't know when they got married, but I, 20 years ago, she was in the Bush cabinet, and I think she was married to McConnell at that time. So, okay. All right, so you think well, it's riding her coattails? No, I think that it's not riding her coattails. I think that China is trying to control both of the major parties. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, that's the elephant in the room. We've got China is not just infiltrating the Democrat Party. It's infiltrating the Republican Party, too. You know, when you look at a party that has a Rand Paul and a Ted Cruz and Mike Lee, maybe a couple others, and on the other side, people like Jim Jordan, and then you look at the people that we elect into leadership, it's just unbelievably disappointing. Yep. So I mean, The GOP is corrupt, too. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely not going to be our saviors. Yeah, it's... It's not just national uh, elections or national offices. It's up and up and down, running the gamut. <laughs> it's a different kind of corruption, right? Because the uh, the Democrats do mostly what they say they're going to do, and at the same time enrich themselves at the expense of their constituents, whereas the Republicans don't, while they enrich themselves at the expense of their constituents. Right? So it's a slightly different. It's a slightly different type of corruption that. Annoys me. Yeah, I mean, look in New Jersey. There's something called the line. You want you want to get the line from the party bosses, and the slate of candidates gets that column all the way to the left. And I've known a number of people who are quality conservatives. Um, one in particular who just was running in a primary for state senate, and he was literally like all the way off into like column Z or something. <laughs> I mean, you would have had to have a map to find his name so that he had no chance just based on that alone. And so that's the kind of corruption you see at the state level. Well, that's why I've been saying for a long time now that elections are determined about two years before primaries. And by the time you get to the primaries, everybody's been winnowed out by the party bosses or have already made so many compromises that it doesn't matter. So really the elections don't have that much of an impact. And I find that very depressing as well, because you got to get in really early and you got to get past all those bosses and sell your soul before you do anything. I don't think there's any question about it. Which uh, I'm not going to get too heavy into the New Hampshire budget that passed. And maybe we'll get one of our New Hampshire friends to go through all the details. So the New Hampshire budget passed after unbelievable fights. And the question is, did the best of them give in or did they actually get the governor to bend, et cetera, et cetera? But my point being that you compromise so much to even get there, that in the end, compromise feels like a victory rather than giving up. When Republicans are in charge of all three branches or you know, all three, you know, the, the House, the Senate and, and the governorship in New Hampshire, and they still can't get Republican ideas implemented, that tells you that the Republican Party is compromised. So they got a lot of really good things, and that's what worked against them, is everybody said, well, you got to leave the other ones alone because we got all these other great things. And then apparently, again, I don't want to go into too many details, but they got a letter from the governor promising that next time he'll consider giving them some more. 
I don't know, I had these vague memories of presidents of the United States doing things based on promises of next year. And I don't know what those promises are worth, but. The same as uh, Wimpy promising to pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. That's uh, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. Okay, I'm gonna assume that no one under 40 and possibly 50 has any clue what you're talking about. <laughs> Well, then they're just deprived of Amer great American culture. And I would say, you know, if we're going to move on to everything that's wrong with our American culture and so woke, can you be more politically incorrect than Popeye? I guess. A little rascal, yeah. I mean, it's toxic masculinity. It's brawn over brains. Smoking. It it's smoke smoking. There you go. I mean, there's just so much wrong with that show. Well, yeah, although it does eat spinach. Yeah, there you go. Healthy. Yeah, well. It's funny. Uh, no, excuse me. One more second, Mike. Have you ever seen him recycle the can? Uh, no. No, okay. So like I said, <laughs> it's not woke. At least he, he treated it like it was. It was called garbage. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're sort of circling back to Bill Cosby in a way because uh, I'm reminded, as I mentioned, the Little Rascals. I think I think he is the one who purchased the rights to the Little Rascals and took it off TV because he felt it was racist. Who, Bill Cosby? I think that's correct. Yeah. So it's, I think it's hard to find the actual original Little Rascals anywhere these days. Wow. wow. Didn't know that. Yeah. So Moving on to the culture stuff, and I don't want to beat up on LGBT, but you saw the story that UPS is no longer recognizing gender when you deliver a package. Meaning yeah, you that. get the email saying who, who received the package, it can no longer identify them as one or the other of the 63. Just customer. Package. Just cust This is so beyond mind boggling. And now the State Department is letting people choose their gender on passports. Yeah. Another mind-boggling one. I don't know what the auto insurance companies are doing because I'm tempted to call up and already get my rates lowered for the same reason. Forget what they're doing in doctor's <laughs> offices. I mean, we do, we do know somebody in New Hampshire who did get his rate cut by doing that. I mean, this is so beyond ridiculous. And unfortunately, the Supreme Court refused to hear um, an appeal about transgender bathrooms and once again let that slide. So at least in some places, you're powerless against letting someone into your bathroom. Uh, I'm surprised they haven't caught on that uh, aren't all ships and boats female? I'm sorry, aren't what? Aren't all ships and boats considered, considered female? Well, I think that's probably going to be banned next, isn't it? Calling them she's? And then, of course, we have that new, what is it, Miss Nevada? Ah, uh, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Men aren't just better than women. They're better women than women. That's the, that's the, getting back to Mark Stein's article, we are 100% backwards. I mean, we are, you know, I don't have any daughters who are training in, like, sports. I don't know, Mike, Benny, your kids into that? Uh gymnastics one of them uh of the non-male gender i don't know i'm just confused 
I can't even imagine what it's like for a 17 year old girl today to have, you know, kind of invested her entire life into female sports and have it all dashed. I, I can't. And if you say something, you're automatically, you know, a this phobe and a that phobe. Did you hear that the uh, Ohio House was uh, voting on a, uh, you have to have uh, a Y chromosome. Uh, only people with Y chromosomes can compete in men's sports and double X's and women's sports. And, uh, and the Democrats uh, tried to disrupt the proceedings by shouting and screaming and banging on their desks like four-year-olds, um, but it passed anyway. Okay, that was an ageist statement that you just made. So maybe you can rephrase that. They really did this? They, they banged on the desks? Yeah, yeah, there's a video online. Well, there, I think that Tim, Tim Pool reported it, so that's where I saw. They take their shoe off and do it? Isn't that something? <laughs> I don't think they've gone full Khrushchev yet. but Channeling their Khrushchev. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> See, Khrushchev is older than Popeye, right? I was about to say that, Ed, but I let it go. <laughs> I don't know. When did Popeye hit the scene first, the first time around? You're right. It probably World War II. World War II. And Khrushchev was a little bit after. So it's just mind boggling. Somebody, you had sent around that letter from Jason Whitlock. I have to admit, I don't know who Jason Whitlock is, if somebody wants to fill me in. He used to be a sports reporter. Uh, he, he wrote for the New York Times, among other uh, groups, but he's sort of evolved into a more cultural commentator. Um, I remember him as a sports reporter, and I always thought that he was sort of leftish when, when he was doing sports, but uh, he's apparently woken up and <laughs> unintended. There you go. Can you just give us? He writes for uh, kick, uh, Kickback now. I'm sorry. I think his new his new website is Kickback, something like that. Kickback. Just give a 30 second synopsis of what he wrote, please. Uh, he wrote a uh, an open letter to the black community saying that they're being lied to, and being manipulated, and that uh, their lives are not being made better by what the Democrats are doing to them, and that they need to. They need to be more patriotic and that this country has done great things for black folks and including himself. And, um, you know, he, 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 it was a call to arms to, to the black to the black community to, to wake up and stop supporting the people just trying to destroy the civilization and, and trying to destroy the family, the family unit. Uh, he talked about how, uh, I believe he, I believe that's the letter where he talked also about the the absence of black fathers being a major problem in the black community, and that uh, the policies that the Democrat Party is pursuing doesn't seem to doesn't seek to reverse that problem, but seek, seeks to uh, uh, augment and increase that problem, and that it's not going to help black people or black families and black children grow up to be happier, healthier, or uh, safer. And was there something in the story about his life insurance rates changing? Uh, I don't remember that part of the story, no. But I, I assume he's risking a lot. And he's not the first person from that community to say such things, but 
not good for people's career. Well, he's been speaking up for quite a while. I mean, he's been on and he's been on, I've seen him on Tucker. I've seen him on Hannity. I've seen him on uh, some other conservative shows. So uh, he's been picked up. Uh, Steve Dace, I think has interviewed him. Uh, You know, he's, this isn't something new for him. He's, he's come out and, and spoken up for a while now. Do any of you follow Bill Maher? Only peripherally. Because Only when he says something sensible, which is not very often. But he, lately he's been coming out as very anti-woke, which I, I don't know if I understand it and how much he's risking, but he's, I'd say in the last month or two, he's made several sensible comments, which usually took him a decade to do. Yeah. Is he red-pilling or... Um, well, I mean, all comedians, I think, are, are getting to the point where they realize that they're going to be out of a job if they don't push back a little bit. And I think what he's doing, he's, he's allowing people on his show to push back. I know Quentin Tar- Tarantino pushed back on Bill Maher's show the other day. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's allowing that to happen. I mean, I think he's shown some flashes of common sense in the past, too, to give him some credit. <laughs> um, I mean, clear, clearly, he, he, I, I, I think he's genuine when he says this stuff is out of control and it's nuts. I, I, I have no reason to believe otherwise. I know people on the left who, like, literally worship that man. And he is the be-all and end-all, and they eat every word he says as the gospel truth. Now, I don't know how they're reacting to him going anti-woke. Is that, is that getting through to them at all? I have no way of knowing, but it, it, I'd be curious to ask them. I, it's hard to talk to them, but I'd be curious you know, to know. Because once he says it, it becomes at least partial truth. Now, you saw the story that a Virginia university is paying reparations? I saw that story. I did not see that. Which university? Oh, uh, let's see. Virginia something or not. Virginia Theological Seminary. Ah. Is paying reparations to descendants of black slaves that worked on their campus prior to abolition. They've already made pay- 16 payments using funds from an endowment. Is it going to catch on? Uh, I think it's already caught on for certain people. Yeah, don't know. I mean, the sins of the fathers and all that stuff. And, you know, so many people are pushing back saying, wait a minute, we came here in 1910 or 1930 or 1960. Again, you know, we have some of this pushback and then we have so much unbelievable from the other side. So, well, you know, think about, think about, how much more pushback we'd have if we had a functioning opposition party. The Republicans are the real problem when it comes to the lack of pushback. The Republicans are controlled opposition. They do not push back. They do not stand up and say that the, that what the Democrats are doing is wrong. Uh, you know, I shared that Mark Stein story. All the, all the Republicans can do is say, throw the word socialism out or you know, spending is out of control as if it wasn't out of control when Trump was president. I mean, they're completely ineffective and they're just trying, they just try and find, you know, hot buttons that they can push 
to try and you know generate respond desired responses in, in their constituents rather than standing up and offering real pushback and saying this is just this is not going to stand we're we're opposed to this this is wrong this is an attack on america this is an attack on the family this is an attack on civilization and we're not going to abide it and w- whether you know Ed just mentioned how, you know, when the Democrats weren't getting their way in, in, in Ohio, they banged like banged on the tables. I'm not suggesting the Republicans should bang on the tables, but they should do whatever is necessary to make their opposition loud and clear so that there's a focused choice in the, in the, in the country. Right now, they're not, the Republicans are committed to not giving us a choice. That's really the problem. And, you know, can you be, a, can you blame people for being afraid to, to stick their head out, stick their neck out when the Republican Party that no, nobody in leadership is willing to say, we've got your back. I'm not surprised. Right. So we have MTG, who, who actually speaks for the common man, but not very many others. Marjorie Taylor Greene. Absolutely. But again, like I say, to get into a leadership position, you have to give up on all of those beliefs. So I don't know, I don't know where it leads to. Because you're right, we don't have an opposition party and you've said it many times before, we absolutely do not. And frankly, I don't know if they believe anything different than the Democrats. I, I kind of believe they don't. I, I mean, most politicians are grifters, right? They're in, they're in it for the power and the prestige and the, the women, or if you're Republican for the little boys um, or... Um, <laughs> <laughs> the money um and uh you know occasionally a principled person will get elected i mean because you know you it's you can't you can't always broken, stop that broken thing. clock yeah yeah you can't always stop that thing um and then sometimes uh you know i it, somebody like aoc you know i mean i think when she first got elected she was extremely clueless and lefty and now she's just a grifter you know i mean now she's just go along to get along um i think when she got elected she kind of i mean she was an idiot but i think she was kind of um you know sincerely communist uh socialist but i think now she's just a grifter when you say that she's just a grifter, do you think that that means she's not going to challenge Schumer for the Senate next year? Depends on, I think, whether, um, yeah, I, yeah, if Schumer wants, if Schumer, there's two things. Schumer either wants her to so he can teach her a lesson if she's getting uppity, or maybe he wants to retire. I don't know. I don't think so, but there's a good chance he'll be minority leader again. So I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know. It's funny because I don't have any evidence, but I, I get a sense of what you're saying about AOC. Yeah. There's certain moderation of learning that she's got to play the game. And at least before she believed what she believed, even if it was wacko. Right. It, right. Is, it is an interesting comment. Right. And Mike Lee, for instance, he's gone completely um, Chamber of Commerce, right? Yeah. What happened to him? He, he was yeah. great a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, he was pretty good. And then he went all like, whatever the Chamber of Commerce wants. What is it about Utah? I don't know. They're very nice people, but they can't elect decent 
politicians to save their lives. Well, again, how do you know who's going to remain a decent politician? If a Mike right, Lee started off great. Right. How do you how do you know? It's sort of like our three Supreme Court justices. Right. How do you know who's going to go bad? Yeah. Interesting. I can't wait for the Supreme Court justice nominated by a Democrat to all of a sudden evolve into a originalist or conservative. Well, it, was it was funny because we were talking about McConnell before. And I guess the, the one thing, you know, uh, that he gave us was the Supreme Court by, you know, defending it. Um, um, from Obama's nominee at the time, getting on the court, which is a big issue. But of course, this court really hasn't been what we had hoped, not surprisingly. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that earlier this week, there was an article about Alito, and Alito sounds kind of ticked off about some of what he's seeing and the fact that they haven't taken up some of the cases that he thinks were worthy. So. At, at least we can applaud one justice on the Supreme Court. Yeah, but they, like we say, it only goes in one direction, evolution. Yeah, but I, I think you're right about the grifter notion. There are a lot of them. Even Ted Cruz, when I, when I see some of his Facebook posts, I mean, the words are there, but I get the sense now he's just the guy that wants to hold on to his seat. Well, when I saw that, um, you know, that, that paper written by his wife calling for a, a North American union, you know, the Union of Canada, the U.S. and Mexico. I was like, written for Goldman Sachs, obviously. Um, I was like, obviously you can't blame Cruz for what his wife, wife writes, but wow, that shows a lot of really poor decision-making on both of their parts that while he was a senator, she would, she would write such a thing. Um, so sometimes I worry about Cruz. I don't think he's, I don't think he's insincere in many of his beliefs, but I, I do think it's that the passion. His, his fire's gone. Yeah. 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 That's exactly what I mean. The passion isn't there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Rand Paul seems to be still Rand Paul. And after all, yeah. they've shot at him. They've attacked him. Uh, they've roughed him up on, on the DC streets and, uh, so it's not like they haven't tried to get him to change his mind and he hasn't. So good for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like, what is that? One out of a hundred, maybe a handful in the house. Yeah. It's, it's almost nobody. Yeah. But it is interesting because I have the same feeling about Cruz that also we call it passion, whatever. He lost something. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, again, this is at least one argument for term limits. I mean, we don't, Obviously, the system we're supposed to have, we don't have it. Uh, you know, Congress has too much power. But for God's sakes, I mean, these people stay in office for generations. Uh, I think that's what happens at this point. You, so there's a story that Grassley, they're all excited. Grassley did 23 push-ups at age 87. And my first thought was, why is he in the United States Senate at age 87? You would think you'd want to go and enjoy life and your grandchildren or, you know. Great grandchildren, great, great grandchildren. And yeah, yeah exactly. the power is so seductive. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's the power, it's, it's the ego. The ego. Yeah. And being sucked up. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, so I don't think, I don't think Chuck Schumer's going anywhere because of AOC. 
No, they don't do it on the left as much. Pelosi, I think, will be there forever and ever and ever. Yeah. Difi will be there forever. They, they don't age out. Yeah. Much, I don't it's, think. It's, it's surprising that some of them just don't keel over on the floor of the house, you know, and have to be scraped up. And I mean, like our president. <laughs> you know, getting back to my fears of, of honestly believing that we could have a president who can't say a coherent sentence. Now she's going off to Japan to quote, represent him. I mean, do we even pretend to, to elect a president? Anymore? My, my sister asked me today, sent me a text message says, uh, do you think Biden knew about the NSA spying on Tucker Carlson? I'm like, no, he doesn't even know what city he's in. He doesn't know what room he's in. I mean, of course he doesn't know about the NSA spying on Tucker Carlson. That's ridiculous. Well, I caught the um, end of his press conference last week about the in infrastructure bill. And it was just hilarious when Kamala had to come up to him at the end and remind him to say something about the collapse of the condominium in Florida. Yeah. That's another weird story. Collapse of the condominium. There wasn't there a, a, a pedestrian bridge in Miami that collapsed a few years ago? Uh, I, it was in South Florida. There was a pedestrian bridge and collapsed, and I think it collapsed in a car and killed somebody or something. Um, I'm pretty sure that's true. You know, I have a, an well, interesting take on that condo. Eddie, you wanted to say something? Uh, well, I do, but I don't want to. I was going to steer us in a slightly different direction. So why don't you say what you're going to say about the condo? I have an unpopular opinion that I opined the other night. Um, again, I don't own several houses like certain other people, but I do know a lot of people who own co-ops and condos. And I know that when they're hit with assessments for repairs, they're not happy. So everybody's blaming this thing falling on the condo associations, you know, board and administrators, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just thinking if they go to their people and say, we owe, we need $30 million dollars. So this building doesn't collapse. So we need 300,000 from each of you. Those people aren't giving them that money. They're going to say, heck no, we'll take our chances. And then when things collapse. So I just think it gets a little bit back to personal responsibility of, did you ever let it be known that if they assess you hundreds of thousands of dollars, so your building doesn't collapse, you're okay with that? Or you just keep saying it's their problem. So I don't think that's- Doesn't the condo board have an obligation to give them that option though? I mean- you know, if, if they didn't even give them the option, what, you know, how would the condo owners? So, know what and I know it's unpopular. What I'm saying is I know because, well, you're in Jersey, but in New York, everything is co-op and condo. And I know for sure that these buildings, when they have to do or these developments, when they have to do repairs, when they assess people $100 a month for a year for new windows, people are not happy. So the way people's nature is, when they come to you and say, you know, this building is could in danger of crumbling and we need a lot, a lot, a lot of money, they know exactly the flack they're going to get. So I just think there's a little bit of pushing on other people. And I, I know well, that's not popular. I mean, I totally get what you're saying. I mean, I've lived in a condo before and got hit with an assessment for the roof, things like that. But I, I have to imagine something of this nature I don't know if that would be something that they would put off on each uh, homeowner. Nobody would. I, I was right. Nobody would believe that a building is going to collapse. I was right that this uh, pedestrian bridge that 
was in Miami that killed six people and was in 2018. And, you know, when buildings collapse, obviously there is corruption, right? Because they're supposed to be building standards. Um, the official explanation for the condo collapse in Miami is that the ground was subsiding fairly rapidly at, at two different rates, and that was causing the building to come apart. Something to do with the pool deck. I mean, you, you understand this more than we do, probably. Not really, no. But okay. I mean, I, I get if um, you have a building that's, you know, subsiding at different rates, you can get a collapse. Um, so the, the question is, you know, why is that allowed to happen? And I guess because there's a lot of people who live in the condo. And if you told them they'd all have to evacuate, that would cause political problems and, you know, all of that. And that, well, who let them build there? Uh, well, you know, did money change hands? And I'm sure it did. You know, I, I, it's just, it's obviously some sort of corruption that we will never learn of. Um, you know, the, you can have a 7.6 earthquake in California and nothing collapses because while the California government is awful, uh, it sure does no earthquake safety. And that's one thing it's not awful at. Yeah, um, and in Florida, they have hurricane stand. Yeah. So, um, but this, I mean, I, when I look at this, when I look at the condo, I'm thinking, I mean, who's responsible if there's serious structural issues or, you know, the ground, <laughs> something's going on underground. Yeah. Thinking. Uh, who's well, we all know that with enough water, ground becomes liquid, right? So, I mean, we've all seen yeah. and know, stuff like I, that. So. I think there was one tenant there, one owner um, that did sue or something over cracks in the pool that he wanted repaired and they weren't, hadn't been doing. So there was something else going on there, but. I, yeah, I water. They're gonna roll and I think it's fine that heads are gonna roll. I just, I just know human nature. When you tell people we need this done or we're gonna be in serious trouble, people tend to poo poo that because you don't see it happening and nobody ever thinks it's that bad. We don't, we don't know that that occurred in this case. You're just speculating, right? No, but I know that it does occur. I don't think it occurred in this situation. I, I don't well, know if they went to a meeting in this situation, but I think they know that if they come and say the building's going to collapse, most people are going to say, oh, come on, you're just giving yeah. us a story. Kind of like a well, plane crash. I mean, there, was, there, there was a, a review, right? I mean, there was a report that was done that said that there had to be repairs and there was a serious problem. So, again, I... I can only imagine how much the bill they were looking at possibly could have been. I saw once part of it was 15 million, but I assume that was. Yeah, I, mean, I can't imagine being a, an owner in one of those condo units and getting a, a letter in the mail saying, oh, you're going to be assessed for. Uh, I mean, it's a beachfront condo, right? It's right on the beach in Miami Beach. So, I mean, you do not get beachfront condos for nothing these days. They, no, they're expensive. Of course, some people would say, what are you thinking? building on a beach, which is a whole other story. But let me ask you this, okay, we all fly, at least pre-COVID. If the price of flights went up by 10 times, and instead of New York to Florida being a hundred bucks, it was a thousand bucks. And they said, it's because we need safety upgrades. How many of us would say, oh, thank God they're doing it. And how many of us would say, oh, come on, that's ridiculous, they're gouging us. I mean, it would I, depend I, on who did it. Yeah, I mean, it depends. Flying is, of course, relatively safe. We can all see that. There's, you know, 30,000 flights a day. Half, uh, half a million people are in the air at, at any given moment, or at least before COVID. So, I mean, mm -hmm. the, 
the question is, you know, who approved this plan without sinking the appropriate amount of concrete and steel down to the bedrock? I, I don't know. I don't know. I thought, again, I'm not an engineer by any means. I think it may have been built okay in four decades. That's why they do have these constant um, in, inspections and reports, et cetera. And I think there were inspections that said, if we don't do X, Y, and Z, something horrible could happen. I, again, if the FAA came out tomorrow and said, in order for us to let you guys fly, we have to put you know gazillions of dollars into the fleet. Most of us would probably say, it's ridiculous. They're just, you know, making up a story because they want more money or they want to control us or something. That's all I'm saying. We're cynical. And I don't know how many of us would put up the money. Well, I mean, how many buildings have collapsed, right? I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's not that. It's like you get to the gate and you're, you're on the plane and they said, oh, well, there's like a million dollars of repairs that's needed on this plane. So we're all going to assess you, you know, $30,000 each to continue instead of swapping it out to a new plane. I mean, that, that's ridiculous, right? I mean, but these people own these uh, condos and, you know, and 160 people got killed. I mean, when was the last time 160 people got killed all at once? That's well, they've only found a dozen like, so far, I believe. And I'm yeah, also 147 curious. missing after three you know, days. They're all dead. Well, yeah. most likely. I'm also curious about plane insurance companies because I am a kind of a voluntarist. And aren't the insurance companies watching over this? Because they're the ones who stand to lose, don't they? One would assume, I don't know whether this is insurable. I mean, I, you know, it, the building collapses. I mean, I have fire insurance Do I have, and I have like hurricane and wind. And it's like, what happens if the building just collapses? What happens if my house just collapses? I, I guess I'm insured. I don't know. I, I think that was on page 27, paragraph four of your policy. You're veering into my realm here as I'm now a public adjuster and <laughs> I review insurance policies. So most homes are covered for collapse and I would imagine a building would be covered for collapse. And then they'll just sue everybody, you know, for who was negligent. Yeah. But there are stakeholders. I'm just saying people who own things in a building tend to just assume that everything is a-okay. Better than AOC. Very good. You know, there's a legend in my family, and then I'll turn it back to you, Ed. There's a legend in my family that ancestors of mine who were very, very wealthy, way back when were offered Miami Beach at a, believe it was one and a half cents an acre. And supposedly, as the legend goes, they had people look into it and they said, no, it'll never be okay to build there. It's just too dangerous. And they let it go. But you have to wonder when you're building on sand and an ocean, you know, how much do you think it through? I don't know. Okay, you didn't kill me for it. Ed, what was your thought? Well, uh, we were talking about whether Biden knows where he is or not, and, you know, the, whether he knows what is coming out of his mouth. And I think the biggest story of this week we haven't touched on yet, which is Biden threatening nuclear war against American citizens and, you know, threatening to, to sick F-15 planes on American citizens. And uh, I, I, that's a huge story to me, um, whether he was just reading a script or, uh, or not, I, I don't know. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, he's, his attack on the second amendment 
you know, lying to lying straight out that, you know, colonists weren't allowed to buy weapons when they were, uh, you know, during the Revolutionary War period, that you couldn't buy a cannon. Uh, all outrageous and and all, you know, all coming from the same guy who, uh, who's, who, who insists that an unarmed mob almost toppled the U.S. government, you know, on January 6th. And now he's telling us, well, uh, you know, they've got, you know, F-15s and nuclear weapons to, to deploy against us. Um, he's, it, it, it's just, it, it's an out, it, it's, it's an unbelievable threat against the American people. And, uh, you know, you, you shared a, a Kurt Schleister article talking about that. And, uh, you know, he had, he, he had a whole bunch of pointed questions that a, a good and competent press corps would have asked the president, you know, regarding, uh, you know, how big your forces are against the American people? Have you checked to see whether they're willing to fire in the American people? Uh, what are you doing to ensure that they'll shoot at the American people? Uh, a whole bunch of things like that. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I think, you know, this, it, it's just an unbelievable attack on, on the citizenry. And uh, some people have, have said, have, have pointed it out, but I mean, even look at our show, it's, you know, we're, we're an hour in and we're just getting to it now. Uh, and, and frankly, until we mentioned Biden not knowing where he was, it, it had slipped my mind briefly. Um, but I think that's a huge story and it's, it's worth noting. Hasn't, um, didn't someone else say this a couple of years ago? Either yeah, Eric Swalwell, representative right. from Mars. Yeah. I, I, you know, and I just, it's so stupid because then why are we losing all these wars abroad if you can't win a war against people with nuclear weapons and F-15s? I, I, you know, why, why are we losing everywhere? Why are we losing in Afghanistan? Why did we lose Iraq? Why? why? I, I don't understand. We have plenty of F-15s. Why are we losing? All they have is RPGs and uh, AKs. That's it. Not to mention he didn't use these on Chaz in Seattle. So it's only certain armed insurrections that he's going to send fighters. Well, as, as Kurt Schlichter pointed out, in a, in a general insurrection, such as what happened in the LA riots, it took, I don't know, three battalions, a whole brigade, just to hold down one small section of Los Angeles. You know, we only have 20 brigades in the whole army or some ridiculously small number, maybe, let's say 40. And, you know, that, that the entire U.S. Army could barely hold down the Los, the Los Angeles basin if they needed to. They needed to keep order. So the, the idea that the U.S. Army, um, you know, could, could quell a, a general insurrection is ridiculous. That's uh, on not the ridiculous other hand, at all. He's not talking about the Army. He's talking about nukes. No, I mean, I, the whole point of... Yes, that's ridiculous. That's just because he's an idiot, just like Swalwell. I mean, well, see, but the problem is that's why we didn't bring it up because we're saying they're just idiots. And I agree with you. But is it worse than that? No, it is worse than that. I mean, I guess, you know, obviously they're not going to nuke Los Angeles, but, you know, if, if Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, you know, they, they definitely nuke that, you know, so. Or, or other red enclaves. Yeah. No, they would. Absolutely. And the, there would be no pushback by the military. The, the U.S. military, the U.S. Army, at least, 
has a has a terrible record of firing on U.S. citizens. You know, they're just. Uh, and then you know, you have a guy in charge, that Millie guy. I mean, yeah. To get to the top of the military, apparently, again, it's like politicians. You have to play that game, or you're winnowed out. And right. I, and listen, the, army conversation. the army is driving out white men uh, by the dro droves and, uh, you know, replacing well, them with women who have no combat power, but also with um, immigrants and minorities who don't really have a stake in the American system. So, well, you know, it's interesting because I was contemplating the whole woke thing in the military and I'm wondering, you know, what, what's the end game? Uh, what is one potential ramification even? Uh, I'm thinking, are they going to bring back conscription? Because what if, you know, some of these volunteers, they are volunteer uh, soldiers that join up. And if I'm white, why the hell would I want to join when they're going to be teaching me critical race theory? Yeah. And same with police, right? I, I mean, could, if you're I could just see the, the force. Yeah, exactly. I could, I could see I tell you something. They're giving lot. out bonuses that are unbelievable to sign and re-up. Why would they want to conscript people like you and me, Mike? Well, I mean, I think they'll have to resort to force if the ranks are depleted and nobody wants to join. But they still don't want people like us in the military. So they're going to use conscription okay. on their own people? Okay. I'm not a little That's dubious. A fair point. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just wondering, again, how does this play out? And you could be right. I, maybe I'm what wrong. What was um, Russia's battalion... Say again? Rush Limbaugh from early in his career with the battalion of Amazon women or something. You guys yeah. don't remember that? Right. Yes, I do remember that. That's funny. <laughs> but so that, that'll be the army. Just to get back to your point, I mean, okay, so let's say, let's just say for the sake of argument, a lot of potential white recruits decide I ain't joining military with all this nonsense and the ranks get depleted over time. You think that women and minorities are simply just going to make up for that loss? Are they voluntarily going to join? I think you're underestimating the evil of the Democrat Party. I think they're out to destroy this country. I don't think it bothers them at all if effective warriors don't want to join the military. Yeah, I mean, I think if they give like citizenship to to uh, immigrants to join the military, then they have a, a group of people uh, that are loyal to the regime rather than the constitution, right? So um, the, the other thing is like uh, the EU nowadays, they're talking about um, creating a, uh, an EU army, right? That's, that's been in the news uh, lately. And um, the EU, I mean, very, very few of the countries in the EU have any combat power at all. Uh, with the British going, I think they, they've lost about half their combat power. Um, so the Germans have a little and the French have a little, and that's about it. But let's, let's be honest. Why, are, why is the um, EU creating an army? They are creating an army to prevent other people from leaving like the British did. They're, they're creating, you know, the Grand Army of the Republic, the Grand Army of the EU. Except for Hungary. Well, no, and that's the whole point. You know, Hungary's kind of tied economically to Germany. Um, sorry about that, cats are being cats. 
Um, so I don't think hunger can quite leave without, you know, losing big time uh, economically. No, but they don't the want to leave, but the EU wants to kick them out. Yeah. But I mean, the Eastern European countries don't want to put up with the woke nonsense. And so if they're going to enforce the woke nonsense, they're going to need a stick in which to enforce it. And that's the whole point. The, the idea that the EU army is going to go up against the Russians, if the, first of all, the Russians aren't probably going to attack, but even if they did, the EU is not going to be able to fight the Russians at all. I mean, they should be able to. They're 10 times the size, 10 times the economy, but they're not going to be able to fight the Russians. They have absolutely no military, you know, uh, capability on that uh, front, but they sure can fight Polish civilians or Romanian civilians or Hungarian civilians or whatever if they... Uh, they want to fight back against the woke nonsense that's being imposed from Brussels. And I think that's what the people, the left wants to do, the U.S. military. They're, they're not thinking of it in terms of fighting the Chinese or fighting, you know, to defend Taiwan or Israel or anything like that. They're, they're thinking that, you know, exactly we need it to fight the American people, specifically, you know, Trump, white Trump supporters or whatever. Exactly and and right. But I think they know that if 80% of the military is or 70% is white Trump supporters, they've got a personnel issue. And so they're, they're working to fix that. So in Ed P's estimation, what Ed M said is even more scary. That when, when Biden talks about weapons to take on the American people, it's even worse. Okay, let's wrap up. Ed P, closing statement. Uh, owning two houses is hard. Capitalism is not good for you. Socialism would let you relax much more. I would own nothing and I would be happy. Okay, so we've converted him to full socialism. I'm going to give your address to AOC. Oh, it's that's um, what's his name? The, the German guy. What's his name? Klaus uh, Schwab, the guy who invented the Great Reset. You will own nothing and be happy. Okay, you heard it here. <laughs> Mike? Well, I would say raising two girls is hard. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Uh, I'm also glad that, that Steve, uh, I don't know if it's good he compared himself to Meathead, but maybe that's better than the dingbat, Edith. So, uh, I know, my father's rolling over in his grave. You know, we started on a positive note. The one positive I see out there right now is that there is a lot of opposition to critical race theory. It has gotten people on the right. I think parents and a lot of these school systems upset enough to get out there and speak out. So I have been encouraged by that. I'll say that much. Ed? Uh, we touched on a lot of things. I think one thing that we uh, didn't have time for was uh, there have been a bunch of bills that have been introduced to try and uh, use antitrust and, and other regulations to limit the tech industry. And um, while I support all those efforts, I think that big tech is an enemy within and they need to be stopped. Uh, I think that ultimately the, the, the solution to the problem is more of a Fortress America solution. I think that the problem is that we're importing evil ideologies from abroad, primarily from China, but from other places as well. 
And until we fix the immigration problem and until we fix the free trade problem, uh, we're going to continue to import these evil ideologies. And uh, we're going to continue to import Chinese control over our domestic lives. And that's really the, that's the, the solution to the problem. And that's, that's the issue that uh, nobody is willing to tackle head on. Uh, I alluded earlier when I mentioned McConnell and his uh, Chinese national wife, uh, that I think the Republican party is, is controlled as much by the Chinese as the Democrats are. Uh, And I think that's really the, you know, that's an elephant in the room and we've got to you know, more than, than deal with antitrust. I mean, antitrust is sort of a Band-Aid. Uh, it, it will help, uh, but it won't solve the problem because we're still allowing these, you know, we're still allowing Chinese control of our country. Uh, and it's not just China, but China is just the, the most obvious and biggest threat. Um, and, and that's really what, what needs to be done. We need to completely rethink the free trade strategy that we have, and we need to enforce our our borders and, and our immigration and, and rethink our immigration system. So that's, that's my thought for the end of this show. Mm-hmm. So Kissinger may not have been as smart as they said he was. Kissinger was an idiot. Thank you. With that, we bid everyone adieu. Avidezen. We should be back next week with a full compliment, we hope. Let's and send our best to Jody and, and hope that Jack. her and her family situation goes well and Jody, we, we miss you and hope that you're back next week. Okay, and please send comments, concerns, suggestions to show at protonmail.com. See you all next week and happy Independence Day. While we still happy Independence Day. You, that's right. I forgot to say that. All right. God bless America.